today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. It was about a year ago, last March, when we had the first lockdown here in Ontario. And uh, the, the declaration about essential workers, and some of them, were, of course, you know, health care professionals, long-term care facilities, those people have to keep working. But they also included uh, grocery workers. Uh, and that surprised a few people. But then, you know, think about it logically. Uh, th- that's part of the supply chain. I mean, we have to eat. Even though we may be locked down, we still have to get groceries and, well, TP, among other things, as you may recall. Remember last year, there was a rush about that sort of thing. Uh, so we understood this, and we understood that they were going to be putting themselves in harm's way because they were going to be possibly exposing themselves uh, to those who may be testing positive or not even know that they're positive. So uh, we had a, a great deal of concern about that. And the government stepped in, actually, and, and, and bumped their salaries up a little little bit too well what's it like a year later well one individual has decided to do something about this uh, emily duncan is a researcher and phd candidate in the department of geography environment and geomatics at the university of guelph and uh she's uh, come up with some interesting statistics and uh, some interesting observations and opinions from some of the people that are on that front line and uh, emily duncan joins us on the bill kelly show to talk about this emily thank you so much for the time glad you could be with us today hi bill thanks for having me Great piece on this. Maybe you should maybe tell our listeners, first of all, what was your motivation for doing this kind of research? Sure. Um, you know, I wanted to do this research because grocery store workers were food's front line when it came to the pandemic, and mm. they're the ones who were witness to the effects of COVID-19 on our food system. So I really wanted to capture these perspectives because I felt like they were a bit underrepresented in some of the voices that were talking about how COVID-19 has affected our food system. But I also had a bit of a personal connection, too. My mom has been a grocery store worker for many ah. years. Um, and, you know, during that time at the beginning of the pandemic, it was really stressful you know, we didn't have a lot of information and we were told to stay at home while grocery store workers like my mom were interacting with over 300 people a day. Let me ask you that right off the bat before we get into the research. Let's go back a year. When your mom was placed in that situation, I assume she obviously worked there pre-pandemic, and mm-hmm. all this came along. How did she feel about going to work under those circumstances? You know, I think I think it's a little bit different for grocery store workers uh, like my mom because... You know, when you think of a frontline worker, we often think of doctors and nurses, you know, people who know that they're going to be exposed to infectious diseases. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas when you sign up for a grocery store job, that's you don't think that you're going to be putting your life on the line to expose yourself during a a pandemic. And so I think a lot of workers felt like I didn't I didn't really sign up for this. And and I'm not sure if I'm I'm being, you know, fairly compensated for, you know, the risks that I'm taking with this job. Well, I'm, I'm empathetic to it because uh, when I was going through college, I mean, I, I did the very same thing. I stocked shelves and, you know, made money, worked the night shift. Actually, for a while at the Stone Road Mall up in Guelph there, which I know you would know quite well, uh, and a deal. number of other stores. And so I, and, and to this day, and it's many, many years ago that I did that, I still have an empathy for the people in that business uh, because I know what some of the challenges are. And then there was no pandemic back in those days. Now there is. And I've, I've talked to a lot of the folks in, in some of the grocery stores in, around here in Ancaster, uh, and, and there's a lot of trip even now about that but there certainly was a year ago because they said well uh, is there enough protective equipment is it even the proper equipment uh, how does this thing get spread and and i'm sure your mom can remind uh, our listeners about this i mean they so they set the arrows up in the aisles you know you have to go this way this aisle and this way uh, and sometimes i mean if there was anybody in that aisle you wouldn't even go down there figure I, I i might catch this from somebody i might be 20 feet away from them but there was a lot of ang- anxiety about this and, and that was reflected in the staff and 
it, it, you're right. I mean, they didn't sign up for any of this stuff. Yeah, and I, I think one thing that was really important to me was to ask how workers felt about the protective measures that were put in place. And a lot of my respondents said that they were really supportive of the measures that went into place. You know, when the plexiglass barriers were put in, the limited capacity in grocery stores, the arrows and mask bylaws, that they felt a lot safer in that environment. And one question that was important to me is, you know, what do you think is going to be the, the long-term changes in grocery stores? And a lot of these retail workers said, I hope that these protection measures don't change anytime soon. And that's interesting, because uh, as you say, they got to put the guys up there, the cashiers, uh, the, the PPE for the staff, even the people wearing stocking shelves, they were wearing rubber gloves for the most part, at least the ones I've seen have anyway. Uh, is there a concern that uh, one day they're going to get there and it's all going to be gone? Uh, you know, the danger's passed, you know, guys, you're okay. And it's almost as if, well, that was just a bad dream. Uh, but, you know, the, 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 the virus is still going to be out there, and, and, you know, there's a lot of other stuff that can go out there. Is, is the plexiglass and, and that sort of thing, not necessarily the mask, but the pl- that sort of thing going to be the new normal, do you think? I think it will be a bit of the new normal. Um, and I also think, like, throughout the timeline of the pandemic, things have changed in grocery stores, you know, at certain points when numbers were really high, there was a max capacity much more enforced, and then that Mm -hmm. became more relaxed. More people were allowed into the stores at a certain time. But, you know, those measures were all put in place when we thought, you know, this is going to be a first wave. But the second wave has come and gone, and now we're just kind of at the start of a third wave. And so I think grocery store workers, especially with the rise of new variants, making this virus more transmissible, really want to make sure that the protective measures stay as long as they're needed. You uh, you talked to a number of workers in, in this business, in this industry, at different stores. And I guess one of the first things you, d- you discovered was there were different protocols in different stores. I mean, some of the stuff is, is consistent, but other stores did some things differently. Yeah, I found it really interesting that, you know, I asked questions about, you know, when you came in for your shift, what were some of the protocols? Where did you have to find anything or fill anything out to test that you were feeling good. Um, and in some stores, actually, workers had to do a temperature check before they could start their shifts. But that wasn't the case in, in every chain grocery store. So it was interesting to know these kind of differences between how how stores were making sure that their employees were healthy and, and safe to be working in the store. How did they respond to that? Did they want to see some consistency there so everybody was on the same page? It was interesting. I don't think that a lot of grocery store workers kind of know what's going on at other stores. They had kind of the context for their own store. But as I started to kind of put together the pieces through this research of different protocols at different stores, I realized that there were some changes. And I think that oversight by the government in making sure that there is consistency in protective protocols is going to be really important moving forward. I want to talk to you about customer behavior, and I know that that's something that you underscored uh, when you were doing your research, uh, because I saw evidence of it uh, just as a customer uh, during the first wave of the pandemic, and you know, we, and because that was when we seemed to be at our worst. Uh, you know, you turn down a certain aisle, and the, the I'll be bare. Where's the toilet paper? What's the matter with you people? Uh, how come you've only got three cans of spaghetti sauce here? Uh, there was a, a concern initially with supply chain, and and it was very very difficult, uh, and unfortunately, it, it seems to be part of human nature. I I guess, Emily, that uh, when people are ticked off about something, uh, they want to take it out on the first person they see. And a lot of the time, that was the grocery employee. Yeah, 
that was definitely kind of the attitude in the store changed. So like, like you said, any of us who have worked retail know that you get a disgruntled customer every now and then, but kind of the attitude really changed in the grocery store. And a lot of uh, the participants in the study recounted times when, you know, customers were overly critical. Um, some even faced abuse. There was instances of grocery workers being spat on, having things thrown at them, and then also grocery store workers observing conflicts between customers. And, you know, when your job is a cashier, it's you're not a referee, you're not a security guard, you're not there to break up fights between customers. So I think people, with the grocery store being the only public place that people can go during lockdown, um, that tensions were running high and People were scared, and it, it definitely showed on how they behaved in public. Because I heard that as well, and not just employees, but, I mean, LCBO employees, others that were deemed to be essential services. Uh, you know, customers would have to line up outside because, like you say, there was a quota system in play there. Uh, but a lot of them were a little upset and, and maybe to the point of being ticked off about the fact that, hey, we, we, first of all, we didn't sign up for this, and, B, we're not supposed to be the policing force here you know who are we to say sir put that back or hey you can't go in there yet or hey you have to line up over here how do we enforce that and and you know in other words we're the bearer of bad news here and we're the ones that are going to take the heat for it yeah exactly and a lot of these participants um who are in the study i think are representative of the, the types of people who work in grocery stores often uh younger people uh mm-hmm. often women and with minimum wage workers, I think sometimes customers feel that they're uh, they don't have to follow rules when somebody like that is is telling them what to do or where to stand. And you know, but we need to treat these essential workers with the respect that they deserve because they're they're putting their lives on the line so that we can have access to food. Well, exactly. And it, it, I know it was a, a real concern about this, about policing and how this was going to go. And by and large, by the way, we, uh, you know, from my experience anyway, and I'm sure from your mom's too, most 99% of the people are compliant. But every now and then you get somebody who just wants to, you know, shake the tree a little bit and it gets uh, to be a problem for everybody involved. And then you say, well, you know, I don't need this stuff. This is tough enough and stressful enough. Did the, did the stress levels dissipate as time went on as you went from the second wave and we got into the summer where things seemed to relax a little bit uh and and maybe the the, the employees felt a little more at ease in their jobs yeah there was definitely um i think a shift in the tension so most of the interviews were conducted between uh july and september 2020 for this study and yeah people talked about some of the the chaos at the beginning but then at the time when numbers were quite lower in the summer uh people were like it's it's starting to feel a bit more normal in the grocery store because we saw that uh, in the initial days, for instance, you know, we talked about obviously the arrows on the floor, but also people had to queue up to check out. Uh, you couldn't just get behind cashier one, two, or three. You all had to avoid one big line, which usually went all the way down to the back of the store and sometimes uh, along the back as well. So, I mean, people had to learn to be patient. Uh, but by the summertime, by the time I guess you were starting to collect some of this data, a lot of stores I saw had relaxed that. It was just, okay, you can line up, but just keep your distancing in situations like that. Yeah, definitely. And I think it also changed in the ways of customer shopping patterns. So that was another thing that we asked about in the study of like, as time went on, you know, at the beginning, people were putting in really big orders. Um, some cashiers recounted, you know, I've never rung up over $1,000 for an order, but people were buying food in bulk because we didn't know what would happen. We were told not to go out as often. 
But as numbers decreased, you know, people started going back to the grocery store as in their normal habits, you know, maybe you're making a recipe and you need a thing or two, you think, oh, I'll just go by the grocery store and make a small order, right? So it kind of changed the, the wait times that were occurring in the grocery store. You mentioned something else, too, that I noticed anecdotally, and I'm glad you concluded to this. Uh, we have self-checkout, which, which, by the way, I'm not a big fan of because that means, you know, not as many employees, and that bothers me, taking somebody's job away. But they're there, and they they try to push you to that, which I, I think is problematic because I know that they're saying, hey, that's my job, but I should, okay. Uh, I saw very few people using self-checkouts during the first wave of the pandemic. Did you notice that? Yeah, that was something that respondents also described. In stores that do have self-checkout, they were closed even in some... Oh, really? Oh, we lost Emily. Okay. Uh, we'll try to pick her up again in just a second here because I want to finish off a couple of important points that I still want to get to with this too. But it's interesting to note our perspective on this and, and, and these workers. In other words, there's an expectation, I guess, with healthcare workers and with some of the other first responders who were declared to be essential services uh, that, uh, that you know, figured, okay, I'm going to get some heat for this and it's just something I'm going to have to put up with. It's part of the job. But when you get people in retail that are declared essential like this and grocery store workers, uh, LCBO were included, as well uh these are these are clerks oftentimes a lot of by the way part-time employees uh who went under enormous pressure uh because we didn't know how quickly this virus spread and how it was spread i mean we were learning more about it almost every day at that time and these people are on the front line and they're saying you know what's next i mean am, am i really putting my life in danger and I know in hindsight, some people may say, oh, come on, that was making a model of nothing. But at the time, we just didn't know any better. And, and you know, we were thrust into this. I mean, it was one thing for us to say, okay, we're going to go out for a half an hour, an hour to get groceries. Uh, that would include lining up outside. Uh, but what about the people that had to go into work every day? And, uh, and it was a real problem for them. Uh, but there were some things that were do, being done to do this. I think we have Emily back. Are you back with us now? Yes, I, I am. Sorry about okay, that. Okay, <laughs> not a problem. Listen, I, I, we're almost out of time, but there's one other element that you included in the study that I'm glad you did. Uh, when they were declared essential, uh, the government at the time decided to, uh, to give them uh, uh, an increase in wages, a, t a temporary increase in wages, that is, during the pandemic, uh, because of the stress that they were undergoing and because they were uh, being, de being declared essential workers. Uh, that's not there anymore. Uh, I don't know how many people know that. You know, I talked to one of my favorite clerks in my store over here in Ancaster. They said, look, the pandemic's still on. Matter of fact, they're still talking about a third wave. Why Why did the government cut the program off? Is there any animosity and concern about that? So I wouldn't say that there's animosity. I think a lot of these workers were really grateful for the boost in wages. But also, to be clear, this wasn't a government program. This was something that the individual retails, retailers and Canadian corporations decided to implement um, so it wasn't money coming from the government, and it did start at the beginning of the pandemic in, in March 2020, and then was discontinued by the beginning of June 2020. And we know that since then, we've experienced a second wave that was way worse, and no, uh, no increase in wages happened then, and now we're entering the third wave. So I think a lot of workers were like, you know, it was nice to have, this was great, but yeah, why did it leave? And there was also a bit of uh, questions around, you know, when the CERB came out, the Canadian Emergency Response Benefit, uh, people who were on the CERB were getting an average of about $500 a week from the government, mm -hmm. whereas these workers working full-time 
in grocery stores weren't even making that much in some cases because at minimum wage, you're not making that much. So, you know, I think they felt there were some respondents who definitely felt bad that people who were sitting at home not doing anything, collecting money while they were putting their lives on the line for, for less than what that benefit was. Well, and I know that we're opening a can of worms there because we're talking about, you know, corporations that are saying, okay, you don't need the money anymore. And I know there's also a propensity for many of these companies to hire part-time workers as opposed to full-time, which means no benefits and lower wages. So, I mean, we, but we could spend the next two hours talking about that, but it's out there. And we just have to mention that because it's also part of the problem, I guess, and add, adding to the stress levels. Uh, this was interesting research, and, and I'm glad you took the time to do this. Uh, and thank you so much for spending some time with us today, Emily. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Take care now. Emily Duncan, researcher and PhD candidate uh, with the University of Guelph, talking about these frontline workers, and they are continue to be frontline workers in the grocery stores, and uh, well, still under some stress that, that needs to be addressed, I guess. And next time you go into the store, which is probably going to be in the next day or so, just keep that in mind. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.